So, Alice? Hi, Ponders. Uh, how was your most recent viewing of Rogue One? Well, since this week marks the week that Netflix is removing Rogue One from its library, I decided to go ahead and watch it a few times this week. Um, and instead of just once a month, like I have been doing so far, I have now watched it approximately three times. It is the 10th of January. Yeah, I, I, I can't get enough. I'm going to be really upset when it leaves Netflix and that the, um, the only copy that I have after it leaves Netflix is going to be my DVD copy, which, uh, the quality is just not, not as, not so good. So have you heard about this thing called iTunes? <sighs> yep. I got to get on it. I got to do it. I've been reliant too, too much on Netflix. <laughs> How about your most recent viewing? Did you, did you rewatch the film this month? I did. I rewatched, we didn't talk about our December rewatch, but I did rewatch it with our commentary track uh, mm-hmm. that we released last month. So I did get that experience, which was Sort of strange because it was our voices, but otherwise delightful. Uh, And (laughs) then I did. I watched it just the other night to prepare for this episode. We're doing a smaller chunk for this episode. But I will say that this movie is very sad. It's really sad. Uh, I actually have like a media policy. That is, I try not to watch media in which women get murdered very regularly that's a really good policy but rogue one is the notable exception because i watch lyra get shot every month the thing is alice and i are very aware that this is a sad film yes and we wanted to bring some more joy into another project so that the two could kind of complement each other you can get your sad feels with rogue fun And with a new show that we're launching called Have Fun Storming the Castle, you can get some of those happy feelings by uh, watching The Princess Bride with us every month. If you're listening to this episode of Rogue Fun, then it means that the inaugural episode of Have Fun Storming the Castle is currently also on the internet. Uh, And you can also find us on our new website. So you can either, check this listeners, you can either go to rogue.fun or stormingthecastle.fun, and both of those will take you to our brand new website uh, where you can find all of our episodes, transcripts of all of our episodes are going to be available soon, and also links to how you can contact us and how you can support us on Patreon. Yes, so uh, once again, those are rogue.fun and stormingthecastle.fun. Go to them now while you're listening to this and check out the website and check out our Patreon. When we left off, we ended on that gorgeous shot of their ship shooting into hyperspace and panning up from the city of Jeddah that had been exploded. The debris is going up into space, and we get that really good, good shot of the Death Star. And then we cut into the interior of the Death Star. Interior of the Death Star. (laughs) (laughs) We cut into the interior of the Death Star. Uh, where uh, Krennic and Tarkin and all of the other officers of the Empire are gazing down over their carnage and their destruction, and it's a it's a beautiful shot. And it it's you see this massive crater underneath them. The debris has flown so far up into the air as to have breached the atmosphere. It's clearly this impossibly destructive uh, force 
that they have that they have conjured and it's should be i think a moment of celebration for our dear director krennic but he's not super happy in this moment i i this the the first note that i took in the section is that he's not smiling or celebrating he is contemplative he's even got his finger to his chin in a classic i'm thinking about this style he i wrote down he has a brooding arrogance which is yeah he is very proud of what he just accomplished but he knows he can't be the first one to comment on it because he yes. knows in this moment that he has to follow the chain of command. So he's just waiting for for Tarkin to make the first move. And he kind of starts to like walk out of the room, build some distance between them. So it gives Tarkin a space to express his gratitude. Um, and in that moment, he kind of like, he, he almost shoulder checks Tarkin just a little bit. Like he walks <laughs> he really does. close to him. Uh, and there's two really good shots at this point where the sea of officers open up as Tarkin turns around and they open up as, uh, as uh, Krennic turns around. And so mm-hmm. you have this sort of like people stepping off to the side so the two forces <laughs> can kind of have their go at this. Yeah. And in this one, uh, kind of in, in contrast to the first scene that these two men have together, uh, Krennic is the one, like you said, to shoulder check Tarkin, basically, as he passes him. He's the one that kind of forces Tarkin to turn around and look at him. This is like a power play that we've seen Tarkin use in the in the other scene. And there was something here visually that I, that I wanted to point out, because Tarkin's about to about to steal all of Krennic's glory. He is he is about to basically kick Krennic off of the project altogether to show him the door and to say, I'm taking charge. I'm going to tell the emperor. I'm the one who did this. You did this. I did this. Like that he's, he's about to do that. When he turns around, he praises Tarkin. And right behind him is kind of like a light display of what the Death Star looks like inside the Death Star, which seems yeah. a little redundant and silly. Um, you know what? What's behind um, Krennic is a is a door. Yes, <laughs> he is literally being shown the door. Yeah, uh, literally and metaphorically being shown the door. But the thing is, is that Krennic walked himself over there. He was the one that that took himself from one end of the room to the other and walked towards the door. So he is being shown the door, but it's also a door that is his own making. It's his fault that there was a, the, the breach in, um, in secrecy that, that, uh, you know, that Bodhi was able to pass on a message and, and everything. And, and, and the, when he gets metaphorically shown the door, um, it's because he did a bad job of keeping a lid on the secret that the Death Star is a thing. I think the choreography trick here, because I noticed this this time as well that's going on, is throughout all these other scenes, these beautiful dance numbers between Krennic and Tarkin that we've had in every single instance, we're always talking about where's the Death Star, where's Tarkin, and where's Krennic, right? Right. The same thing is true here. Krennic is walking towards the door which is the door to the Death Star. All the rest of the Death Star is on the other side of that door. But 
it's actually the door for him to leave. And if we yeah. look, there is now a Death Star directly behind Tarkin because yes. it's still his. He's still standing between Krennic and the Death Star, even when Krennic thinks he's on the threshold of being able to walk through that door. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I love the cat and mouse aspect of Tarkin and Krennic. And it's really brilliantly executed that he starts by praising Krennic. And Krennic has that really good line. So you'll tell the Emperor of our achievement here? I believe I owe you an apology, Director Krennic. Your work exceeds all expectations. And you'll tell the Emperor as much. He's playing with him. He's 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 getting Krennic to admit that he's more proud and more prideful than he's letting on. But as soon as Tarkin then takes the wind out and says, I will let the Emperor know that I will be taking control immediately of the soup of the weapon which I first spoke of years ago. I will tell him that I will be taking control over the weapon I first spoke of years ago, effective immediately. Stand here amidst my achievement, not yours. As soon as Tarkin says that, he is isolated. None of the other extras in the scene are around him. It's just him and the picture of the Death Star behind them, mm-hmm. for the most part. An arm and our leg here. Krennic is always shot with five or six officers looking at him, just to reinforce the fact that you're just one of these officers. You're, you're just not, one of many. You're not a big player. You're just one of the crowd. And we're visually reinforced that as he, as he is going through this sort of tete-a-tete. Uh, and yeah, uh, just another great Tarkin and Krennic dance number. Oh, those two. <laughs> those two crazy kids. Yep. Ready to move um, on to the next scene? Yeah, let's let's leave the Imperials alone. Let's get back to the Rebels. So our little rebels, our team. Yes. Finally together. Well, no, 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 no. First, <laughs> we get a shot in Yavin where. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Where? Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, G- General Draven. General Draven, old fart of the Republic, uh, ends up uh, receiving a message from. Receiving a message, clearly Cassian's on the other end of the line, saying that Jeddah was destroyed. A coded message from Captain Andor, sir. Weapon confirmed. Jeddah destroyed. Mission target located on Edu. Please advise. Destroyed. Proceed. Tell him my orders still stand. Tell him to proceed with haste keep to the plan. We have no idea what he's building for the Empire. We have to kill Galen Oso while we have the chance. This is a really critical moment just for just for a second. It's a really critical moment to continue to emphasize or at least establish a theme, which is that there are members of the Rebellion who are operating entirely upon fear and mm-hmm. not upon anything else. I think that's really critical, especially when we consider the way that Jin looks at the rebellion. Jin looks at the rebellion as a as a group of people who are based in fear, who don't take action in the way that um, that Saw and his 
cadre take action. Um, mm-hmm. And so when he, I think there's a couple moments throughout these sections actually that because we're in the transition, this is the beginning of act two. We're setting up some ideas so that we can knock him out of the park later. And this is one of those ideas, which is that he hears that Jetta city is destroyed. He is immediately afraid and his gut reaction is, oh, we have to kill Galen Urso. We have to kill Galen Urso while we have the chance. Because he That's doesn't the, he yeah. doesn't know anything else. He doesn't he doesn't have any more information. And so he's going to act on just the information that he has as brashly as he possibly can in order to do something because he is afraid. And that's what Jin doesn't like. And you know what? She's kind of right. <laughs> yeah. At this moment she's she's she is right. I think actually throughout until the minute they decide to go uh assist Rogue One on Scarif, which is the inciting incident for the rebellion to kind of get off its butt and actually act based on and not just collecting knowledge and collecting information and acting like spies and, and hoarding information. It's Jin and Scarif that, that causes that full-scale rebellion and a full-scale attack on a planet that they were afraid to do before. Mm-hmm. Now they can do it. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. That's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> no. That's down the road. Is, we'll but get there. We'll get there. Um, but yeah, they're... they're, they're terrified and you look at the faces of of uh of the guys standing around draven and draven himself is is not um he's a he's a little shaken up and yeah they're they're terrified this is this is one of those things that uh in the parallels to history that we we kind of draw into star wars whether I think we've talked about this before, whether you're looking at Vietnam or World War II or this or that. This is really like the test of the nuclear bomb, right? And Krennic is saying, I've become death destroyer of worlds. And this is this is the politicians of the time reacting with absolute fear. And yeah. like, I think it's easy to play up because, or it's easy to skirt over because it's such a short scene. But I implore our listeners to try to imagine a world in which one minute there was no conceivable way to wipe an entire city off of a map. And, and then suddenly the next there minute is. there is. Right. Mm-hmm. That is horrifying. And also something that has occurred on our own tiny pale blue spinning dot. Um, mm-hmm. And so while... While I can make fun and call him General Fartface of the Rebellion and this and that, uh, they're not wrong for being afraid. Um, I think that's really important. But the crew's all together. Let's get the let's get the band together. Uh, it's finally, finally, our our main actors are all in the same room, and they're on, on the same note. ship. No, it's not. It's very sad. Very uh, sad note. Uh, Cassian's uh, receiving the message. We must keep to the keep to the plan. Stay, stay. You know your your orders still stand. Um, and so he he puts his headset down, and then takes a beat, and pauses for a moment to like collect himself. Understood. Uh, 
because now he and and Jin have just finished saving each other's butts on on Jetta, and he doesn't want to hurt her. Right. And that's the that's the only reason I could think that t- for him to be hesitating here, not about his orders, but rather his his growing friendship with Jin or so and how he's been lying to her all this time. Uh, because the next thing we get is Baze and Chirrut and, and Chirrut is asking, tell me, tell me Baze, all of it? Baze, tell me. All of it. The whole city. Tell me. All of it. The whole city? And Baze says, all of it. Um, which is one of the saddest lines in the whole film because Chirrut doesn't get to see his city one last time before they take off. He doesn't know what happened to his city. He just goes by by sound and by sense and through bays. Yeah, it's a, it's a really solid moment that uh, I think reinforces Chirrut's blindness, not in a way of like, oh, hey, don't forget that he's blind. But like his way of understanding the world comes through the words that he hears and receives from others. He doesn't He doesn't get the liberty of getting to see the thing that has happened. He just has to hear what someone tells him and believe it. Right. Which is gonna become really critical in just a moment. <laughs> right, right. Yes. It's, yes, <laughs> that, that idea of, of just believing it without seeing it is really important um, throughout this, throughout the rest of the film. And specifically this scene. And specifically this scene. Um, Because there are just like, uh, just like Chirrut said, there are, uh, there are many kinds of cages. Maybe it's also possible. There are many kinds of blindness and, um, and we've got some, some literal and metaphorical blindness in this scene. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to reiterate, and I think we said this last time. He just had his hometown destroyed. Yes. Uh, yes. And that. And, and Baze he just did, got there. Baze did as well, but he just got home, and he had his whole home destroyed. Um, again, I want to make sure that we're not underplaying any of the like legitimate emotional trauma that these characters are probably going through. And we've only hit the end of Act One. <laughs> Bodhi Rook, Bodhi Rook goes to his home planet, meets with a group of what he has so far his whole life considered terrorists. Probably is captured and tortured by these by these terrorists. Um, has his mind completely delved into and ripped apart from the inside. Then his former boss destroys his hometown. <laughs> then his former boss destroys his hometown. Um, and he is whisked away onto a ship with a bunch of literal strangers that he's never seen or met before until this moment. And one of those strangers, Baze, aimed a gun at him at one point. Yep. And like he he literally doesn't know what's going on. And he can do nothing but just sit there and like take off his goggles and like just slump into his seat. Like what else is what else can he do? Like how else can he feel? It's I mean Bodie Rook, local boy, poor <laughs> that poor thing, is horrible. Yeah, but as soon as Jin makes mention that she is Jin, son or daughter of Galen Erso, 
Oh, he parks right back up again. He grabs onto it immediately and he has this really great line uh, where he talks about how Galen told him he could get right by himself. Your father, he said I could get right by myself. He said I could make it right if I was brave enough to listen to wars in my heart. Do something about it. It's, it's, oh, that... That poor, that poor thing. Jin then turns and latches onto Bodhi in this moment. And I think the two of them become kindred spirits, I think, in this exact moment. Where hearing, I think Jin hearing that Galen gave Bodhi a, miss- a mission with such earnest, pure, like, intent. Do it. Do right by yourself. Do it if you know what's right in your heart. Do it if you know... You know that you can make things right, that you can do better, that you're better than this. You're you're bigger and better, and that like Bodhi got to have that kind of like talk and relationship with Galen that Jin never ever gets to have, and it's a little bit kind of like the mirror of of the message that she just got from Galen for the first time ever. She got to hear him say. I, you know, I believe in you and, and I hope that you're happy and, you know, all of this. It's, it's a, it's a mirror, but also the opposite because Galen, Galen doesn't so much as give her, a. I mean, he, he has information. So, you know, we could blow up the Death Star together. We can, you know, we can, we can do that. Like, here's your, here's your mission, I, I guess. But he gave Bodhi something a little more direct and saying you can you could fix your heart and you can fix your soul and you can you know find find forgiveness if you do this for me and um and i think i i think that says just as much about about galen as it does bodhi and i i think that um that jin needed to hear that mm-hmm. it wasn't i think she also maybe needed to hear it because it wasn't just galen saying oh i'm going to save my own skin here kid go do my dirty work um, it gave it gave uh, a motive and opportunity, and it's also Galen saving the life and and soul of this young boy. And so Jin, if Jin even still, which she doesn't, but if she had any doubt about her father's motives at this point, that would be erased. Like right. hearing hearing Galen's words out of Bodhi's mouth uh, reinforces this belief that she's been building over the last couple of minutes that galen was doing the right thing exactly and and then it ends with them sort of lamenting what has happened Baze has another really sad line where he says uh it seems like it's it's a little bit too late for that i guess it was too late it wasn't too late seems pretty late to me but Jin oh. then bounces up with all of the hope and energy that we love in Jin saying it's not too late we can we can get back at the people who did this and we can stop it from happening again no we can beat the people who did this my father's message i've seen it they call it the death star but they have no idea there's a way to defeat it you're wrong about my father he did build it because he knew they'd do it without him my father made a choice he sacrificed himself for the rebellion. He's rigged a trap inside it. That's why he sent you, to bring that message. Where is it? Where is the message? It was a hologram. 
you have that message, right? Everything happened so fast. Did you see it? You don't believe me. I'm not the one you gotta convince. I believe her. That's good to know. Uh, and she explains that her father planted a trap on the Death Star and there's a way to destroy it. And Cassian's like, do you do you have the message? And Oh, and her she, face her just, face just drops. drops. And she already knows that Cassian isn't going to believe her. And she says it was a hologram. It all happened so quickly. She looks so scared in that moment and so, so down. Like, oh my gosh, no, of course I didn't think to get that. And he's, I mean, Cassian, yeah, he gets loud at this point. Not, he doesn't yell. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't shout. He's not angry, but he's like, if you don't have it, if you don't have evidence for me, I, I don't believe you. Like this, you, you need to have this evidence. And again, setting things up here, for characters to develop in the future just like we have the rebellion that's based on fear we have a cassian who's very much based on orders and evidence and wants to have belief uh and of course we could go into it being 2018 now and the narrative around believing women and the fact Mm -hmm. that this happens literally all the time right after right after (laughs) right after he says he doesn't believe her. He turns to Bodhi and says, did you see the message? <laughs> like if, her word isn't enough. Like, yeah. Like if Bodhi had one seen more the, person and if Bodhi had and seen it has the to message, be a guy. <laughs> he would have believed him. I mean, there aren't any other options, but, but yes, it is a guy. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's then, just like, because of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> I just, is. yeah. But uh, this all does lead to, again, bringing it back to Chirrut. Chirrut says, I believe her. And that belief, I think it's one of the most important things in the team at that point. Um, Mm -hmm. Because as we're about to see in a moment, uh, they are going to crash onto the planet of Edu. And nothing is a better metaphor for how this team is working right now than the the fact that they as a team are just going to crash and burn. But at the core of both that moment where they're crashing and this moment where they're having this initial tension is Chirrut maintaining his faith. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, it's him saying that he believes in the thing that Jin says. And of course, Chirrut has to believe because he doesn't have sight. And on the other hand, it's him saying, I'm one with the force and the force is with me as they're about to crash onto the planet. Um, and though while everyone else on the ship is freaking out about them hitting mountains and trees and not being able to land this thing, Chirrut maintains his his calm and his focus on his belief. And that yes. little kernel of belief is, I think, the like prelude to act two. Because as we go through this act, it is going to be entirely about belief. It's going to be, you know, when Cassian decides not to take the shot, when Jin decides to, you know, speak up to the entire, you know, rebellion, when Cassian, like, 
believes her and says like we're gonna go do this those are all moments of belief that are absolutely critical for this section of the of the film and cheer it cheer it is the core of that and cassian's cage again and cassian's like refusal to take Jin's word for it that is like we were saying before like his his blindness um that's his like his he is refuses to see even what is right in front of him it's that Jin's telling the truth why would she lie about this but chirrut believes in Jin, and bays believes in chirrut and bodhi believes in galen um and Jin now believes in Galen and Cassian d- doesn't believe any of them because he hasn't seen it with his own eyes. And I guess it's being confronted with Galen face to face on, on Edu. That is what it like s- sparks something in him. Right. Um, but makes him a because part of he's, the train. A, he's a, he's somebody that has to see it with his own eyes. And that's not necessarily a, a bad thing usually, but in this case, and the like for the sake of their team, it's got to be a lot more about about faith and faith in each other. And and they don't have that yet. They're not a real team yet. They're not Rogue One yet. Right. Um, they're all together, but they're not. And this is therefore they crash. And the, the one other thing that we see in this section, which I'll just give a little here at the end, is the ship that Krennic is on leaving the Death Star. Krennic doesn't even say a word. He is just sulking. And we hear we hear the voice say, We're we've set a course for Edu. <laughs> and he and he and he turns, but but it's he doesn't say anything. But I got a lot out of out of this for oh, Krennic. Oh. Ben Mendelsohn is killing it with this one moment. I mean, he is moment. absolutely <laughs> crushing this one facial expression. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. Um and and I and I wrote like half a paragraph about this where it was as Krennic is in this moment so scared. I think he's terrified. Um, but he's 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 angry and he's frustrated and he's annoyed. Uh, but mostly he's terrified because he's going. He's about to learn finally what Galen has done, and he know he knows what Galen has done, and he knows like he knows it to be true, and he's probably suspected it for a really long time. But it's the face of someone who is about to be confronted with with something so big in the very same ship. He is once again going after Galen in the because, same ship with yeah, the same Death Troopers because. Yeah. Because Galen cannot leave well enough alone, uh, and is going to be the wrench in his in his plans. Yeah. Um. So, next time on Rogue Fun, we are going to talk about this next scene through the end of Edu. Uh, yes, we're going to cover Edu, not their flight away from Edu. That will be the next next episode. We're just going to talk about them moving around Edu. So in the meanwhile, as we said at the top of the episode, you have a whole nother episode of a podcast of me and Alice to go listen to. Uh, go look up Have Fun Storming the Castle on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And if you like both of these shows, you can actually support us you can go to patreon.com forward slash fun pods where you can support not only this show, but also have fun. It's one 
joint uh joint patreon for both shows so if you only like one of the shows you give a dollar or two if you like both of them maybe you consider giving four or seven dollars uh at the hero tier that's our uh, cassian and wesley tier at ten dollars <laughs> we will read your name at the top of the show uh and you can also get a audio recording from either myself or from alice of uh, two minutes of audio, whatever you want. could be a voice message, a poem, a dramatic reading. We could read you a part of The Princess Bride. we got tons of options there. Uh, So long as it's safe for work. So long as it's safe for work. Uh, But also, there's lots of great stuff at the lower tiers, too. So, like, at the $2 tier, which is The Brains, which is our K2 and Vizzini tier, uh, you get access to (laughs) Patreon-only channels on our Discord, uh, as well as a special Discord role. And some bonus patron-only content that we will put on the Patreon. That'll be any time that we do one of our film clubs. Alice, do you want to tell them a little about the film club? So we'll be doing a film club where uh, when we hit certain goals on Patreon, we will be watching certain films uh, that we think that you would want to watch with us. So uh, if we reach 25 patrons, for example, we're going to be watching a solo a Star Wars story. We're going to watch the other Star Wars anthology film. And we will record a whole episode about Solo to put on the Patreon for our patrons. And we have a bunch of other uh, films. We'll have those up on the Patreon if you want to read uh, all of our different goals and the uh, movies that we're going to uh, watch in this club. For example, uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a Star Wars fan. Uh, if we hit 100 patrons, we're going to watch The Last Jedi. And we're going to talk about it. And I think you might want to hear our opinions on The Last Jedi. You probably do. And also at 200 patrons, uh, I'll just go ahead and put this out there. I I don't even think this is going to be on the Patreon yet, but I'm going to say it here right now, just for you, listener. At 200 (laughs) patrons, we're going to watch Attack of the Clones. And we will do an episode about Attack of the Clones. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. It's going to be very good. (laughs) Uh, I think you want to hear that. So definitely pop on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash fun pods and, uh, and check out all of the reward tiers. And uh, if you, if you have the means, uh, you know, join our Patreon. We are eternally grateful though, for your support monetary or otherwise. And any amount really helps even a buck or two a month. It really helps us pay for the hosting for the website Uh, and helps us be able to do more and cool projects because Alice and I have lots of really good ideas for films that we want to watch with you and things that we want to talk about, and they're only made possible through your generous support. So uh, beyond that, if you'd like to reach out to us, uh, you can always do so at our Twitter. We are at RogueFunPod, or you can visit our website, which is Rogue.Fun, where you will soon be able to find transcripts, uh, links to show notes for the episodes, gift sets that we make for the episodes, as well as uh, where you can find more about supporting us. Um, and Alice, where can they find you? You can find me at uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, both at Alice White THP. THP stands for Those Happy Places. It's a theme park podcast that I do with uh, the inimitable Buddy Duquesne. Uh, where we we talk about theme parks, rides, and attractions and analyze them as literature. So if that sounds like uh, your thing, go ahead and pop on over. 
and you can find me at th ponders uh pretty much everywhere snapchat reddit instagram twitter uh all of the things i have at th ponders uh, i would love to talk to you and hear your thoughts about films or art or any of that kind of stuff so reach out to me there uh so until next time alice may the force be with you may the force be with you